Welcome to Let's Watch... Oh my gosh, my wife is here. That's not the name of our podcast. What? Oh, it's not? Uh, that's this week's podcast. Okay. Oh, fuck. That's the temporary title, folks, of this week's podcast. Uh, any- oh my God, his wife is here podcast. Yeah, so if I, if I die, we all know why. Everyone, Whoa. say hello to Amelia. Hi, it's Amelia Arcana, and it's way past my bedtime. And she's not a serial killer, right? Because you're hinting at murder happening during this podcast. And I want to know so I can... Well, I'm seated next to the exit, so I can get out quickly. Then. You know how most husbands die? The wife kills her? Exactly. Till death do us part. So I shouldn't get married. Exactly. I'm, I'm convinced. All right. <laughs> I'm staying single. Yeah, but we still got to teach you to swim. No. Yes. Never. Yes. I hate the idea of swimming. Even. Well, then you're never going to get away from Jason because he's afraid of water. I'm not going to any lakes either. When would I be swimming? No pools, lakes. So then Jason's just going to get you. Only my bathtub will I... Swimming there, I guess. That's not really swimming, though. You I fail don't. me. All right. So, with Nick's wife here, we are doing a special episode with a special movie. Why don't you talk about the name of the movie we're doing today? Because, <laughs> fortunately for us, folks, I cannot pronounce this movie. Hopefully, some of you out here can relate to my lack of being able to pronounce this movie. I blame the terrible education system for not having a pronunciation class where we work on pronunciation. And no, don't say English. All we did was read The Great Gatsby. Today's movie is going to be Pan's Labyrinth, one of my personal favorites by Del Toro. I've watched this movie like eight, ten times at this point. Vic's watched twice, one today and one last Monday. And by the way, for ease purposes on my pronunciation, going forward, I will be calling it Pan's Pizza. Pan's Pizza? Why does it sound like you're saying pants? I can't even pronounce pants. <laughs> ah, folks. How about we just call it Fawn? Because that's what the original movie was called before it got an American release. Fawn. Yes, Fawn. With an F. F F-A-U-N. Oh, Funnel. Funnel cake. (laughs) No? When did you go to King's Dominion? Five years ago. (laughs) So you haven't had a funnel cake in a while. That's why he wants funnel cake. Well, I'm doing a low-carb diet, so funnel cake would be amazing, but I can't do it, unfortunately. Okay, time to get into cooking classes with Nick Arcana. FML, folks. FML. Because, because <laughs> you of my need diet. at least 50 to 60 grams of carbs in order for a normal brain function. Are you getting that many carbs? Yeah, because every, there's something called hidden carbs. Like, even when you do a low-carb thing, there's these hidden carbs in there, and enough of those add up to get about 50-ish in a day. So, I'd say so. But, but that just, explains why his head is shrinking. He's not getting enough carbs. No, I just got a haircut. That's all, all right, all right. Moving on. Uh, Pan Pizza, the movie we're doing this week. So, folks, let me just preface. Normally review bad movies. I'm just going to look. We're not going to pull the wool over your eyes. This is a solid 8.2 on IMDb. But that said, this is one of those special episodes. Maybe if I say it like French, I can say Labyrinth. Labyrinth. As they say in French, maybe? Labyrinth. <laughs> is it better than my normal pronunciation? Sadly, yes. Am I making progress? That's all we're looking for. Yes. Labyrinth. All right. Labyrinth. By the end of the episode, I'm going to pronounce it properly. Mark my words. Labyrinth. Within the next 45 minutes, I will pronounce it. Okay, fine. If you don't pronounce it correctly, this podcast will never end just because you said that. The never-ending podcast. Yep. No, no, I'm not going to keep you folks oh, there no. all night. We didn't, bring, <laughs> we didn't bring sleeping bags, so I refuse to allow that to happen. Plus, Nor did we bring the never-ending story. Plus, let you folks in a little secret. There's no air conditioning here, so anyways. Yeah, why are you trying to kill us? Just give me a bitch. I'm sorry, Jeremy in Wisconsin. It's, I respect you, but Nicker has no respect for you. You don't sound like that. 
One thing I can contribute, which you can probably help me out with, but I do know a little bit of background on the movie thanks to the IMDb trivia page, which never fails to do me wrong, even though half the information is probably wrong. Most likely. But it's still the only resource I know that I can use. <laughs> That's easy to you look up. You should have just tried to email Del Toro. I guarantee you would have gotten much more accurate, just accurate, what's the yeah. word I'm looking for? Information. Thank you. Uh, del Toro at gmail.com. I'll mental note. Yes, next time I'll just, you know. Someone tells me that's his actual email. Really? I think it's maybe, maybe it's del Toro at labyrinth.com. I fucking hate you. What? <laughs> what about del Toro at nilbog.com? Okay, now we're speaking silly. All right. Now, now I'm going to throw something at you. Hey, this space is too small contained for you to throw things, sir, in this small area, all right? Well, that just defied all physics and science, so. What trivia did you find? <laughs> all right, all right. Thanks for bringing us back to Earth. Maybe we need a third party to bring us back to Earth sometimes. All right, I got, I got a fun background antidote for this movie. So antidote. The, antidote. See, now you're going to make me start mispronouncing everything because you're calling to question my pronunciation. So we're poisoned now? You're poisoning the well right now of this podcast. So Del Toro, and don't make me say his first name because I cannot, as we know. I don't, I don't know either. No one knows. But Del Toro... Apparently, he's big about writing things down. Like us with his podcast, he takes a lot of notes, um, does a lot of research. So apparently, spent years doing notes and research on this movie. Had it like in a little notebook, which he left in the backseat of a cab. At that point, he was like, all right, well, that's it. The movie's gone. But the cab driver was nice enough to return it to him. And he took that as a sign that he should definitely make the movie. So thank you, random cab driver of Wisconsin. Probably was Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy, for delivering Del Toro his notes back and giving us this movie. You're very welcome. Even though I wasn't in fucking Spain when I did that. You know, I don't need that much, Jeremy, all right? I don't... <laughs> okay, then. Candyman was the cab driver? <laughs> yeah. Did, did Del Toro say his name five times in the backseat and then he just came out the mirror? And gave him his script back. I thought I was going to be banned. This is not one of our horror episodes, <laughs> so I'm going to have to reject the Candyman voice for this week. No! Um, Do not reject the voices. All right, well, that's my one fun antidote. Um, The other thing is just that apparently he wisely chose to do this instead of Narnia, although I can't talk shit about Narnia. I have have not seen that, so I can't really say anything bad about it, but I think he made the right choice in choosing this movie. Honestly, I get the feeling anything this guy does is going to be dark, a little bit disturbing, and fun to watch. Did you like? I kind of want to see him do an action scene other than Hellboy 2. I was say, did you like the Hellboy? I haven't seen the Hellboy movies. Oh, you haven't? Yeah. Okay. Well, I so that's why you didn't pick up on one of the characters in this movie looking exactly like the Angel of Death in Hellboy 2. No, that went over my head completely. I would have had no clue. Uh, fun fact, another connection between the Hellboy movies and the fairies that you see within this movie. Uh, it is a fantasy-style movie. The fairies that you see are designed after the ones that you see in the jars in the uh, dark market in Hellboy. These ones are designed after that. So you see pickled fairies in Hellboy, you see live ones in this movie. So what you're telling me is the universes are connected. It's a share universe. I love directors that do that, that put in little seeds, little things that you can pick up and be like, hey, that's connected to that. It's fun for the fans. Although I haven't, I haven't seen Hellboy, so it did nothing for me. But Now I kind of want to watch don't, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, so that way I can see if there's any tidbits from either of these movies in that one. Oh, Del Toro was very involved throughout the whole process of making this movie, including helping to make the subtitles himself. The companion movie to Pan's Labyrinth is The Devil's Backbone, set about four years prior to the setting of this movie. 
that one subtitles had a bit of an issue going on and Del Toro was not happy about that. So Del Toro and the assistant director both worked together to create the subtitles for this movie. That is also one of the reasons why there is not an English dub to this. Del Toro wanted to stay true to the material as possible and if he accept payment to make an English dubbed version, he would have to give up some of the rights to the story itself. So, wanting to avoid that, he did most of the work himself. I hope he got paid extra for all that. He should have got paid extra for the subtitle work, for all of it. I hope he got paid a lot. He probably put his own money into making this movie. He probably he lost money. That means he got paid nothing. Exactly. I believe he did put some of his own, movie, uh, own money into it. His uh, own movie? I believe he did put some of his own money into it. Um, one of the issues they were having during filming is that there was a drought in the area. So they could not use any live pyrotechnics, all the gunshots, anything like that was all added in later in post-production. So the CGI budget went way up higher than they were expecting for this. And I feel like there's a drought in our current podcast location. So I think my shirt's about to come off. Um, you know, although I would have appreciated the dubbed version because it's just easier to watch... I can respect that he wanted to be authentic and kept the subtitles. Yes, you have to do a little bit more work watching it, but you don't get the silly... The dubbing probably would have been terrible, as I'm thinking of all the bad Jackie Chan movies where they had bad dubbings. So There is a dub in there, though, technically. So Doug Jones plays the Fawn character. And he, at the start of this whole production, he could not speak any Spanish. He actually he learned... He still can't. Well, technically he still can't. But he learned his lines. You'd think he would have learned something. He did pick up a little bit. He learned his lines while he was sitting in the makeup chair. He was stuck in the makeup chair for about five to six hours a day. So he would practice his lines while sitting there. A lot of the staff spoke Spanish, so he would practice back and forth. Hmm. So he actually ended up saying all of his lines throughout the whole movie and still had them dubbed over in post-production. So I guess he didn't sound Spanish enough. So what you're saying is we should call him Dub Jones. Dub Jones. <laughs> Dub Jones. Man, give me five... Five hours in a makeup chair. I'll learn how to say a little bit of Spanish. Probably not. Maybe a little bit. Not in the amount of time that it probably took to actually make this movie. I'll be able to say labyrinth in Spanish, maybe. No, probably You'd not. probably have a better shot at saying the damn word correctly. <laughs> but that would be like, hey, can you teach me English? <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, shouldn't we spend this time learning Spanish? No, no, teach me English. How do you say <laughs> labyrinth? Um, another fact about Doug Jones and the makeup, they actually filmed most of the Fawn scenes backwards. So Doug Jones' first, scene, first day filming had the Fawn's oldest makeup on. It was designed completely blind, white hair, broken horn, things like that. And as the movie progresses, the Fawn gets younger. Interesting. So they did all of his makeup backwards. Ah, gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, well, how about we... Let's get into the movie. Yep. So the story starts off with a, uh, with a backstory about how the soul of a little girl got lost from the underworld. You know, bringing people back to life, I thought, was this Jesus thing. Does Oph is Ophelia Jesus? No. No. I mean, it happens in Game of Thrones, the Bible. Return of the Dead, they brought back all the zombies back to life. It happens in a lot of different Yeah, experience. but she didn't eat brains. How do we know? Do we see what she ate for breakfast? She technically doesn't come back to life, though. They don't mention it basically being that way. She's the princess of the underworld. She comes up through the labyrinth to the human world, and in the bright light, she forgets who she is. I thought that would have been Kate Beckinsale, right? From the movie Underworld. She's the princess of the underworld. No? All right, never mind. I mean, she probably grew up into her. No, actually, I looked up a picture of what Ophelia looks like now. She getting married. 
How old is she? She should be like... 27. So I guess we should introduce the mother, Carmen. She's sick. She's dying. That's all we need to know. And... Wait a minute. No. <laughs> Even I know this part. She arrives on the scene because she has married our general villain guy. Captain. Captain villain guy. What's his name? Vidal. Vidal. Captain Vidal is our villain, and he's impregnated our mom-to-be. Carmen. Carmen. So Carmen arrives with her daughter. Ophelia. Ophelia. These are nice, easy names to pronounce. I like that. So. Uh, Ophelia's first interaction with the captain is not the most smoothest. When she first gets out of the car, she offers her hand to shake... Uh, when she first got out of the car, she offers her hand to shake hands with him in greeting. He immediately takes hold of her hand and leans in and says, it's the other one, which is actually a reference to Charles Dickens. After that, he's pretty much indifferent towards her. There's no affection, no real interest. Because it's not her, his kid. So yeah. Something tells me if he had a daughter, he really would not give two shits about this kid. There's always stepfather syndrome where it's like, you want to like the child, but love the child who's not really your child. So this is the real remake to Stepfather? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so, I mean, Stepfathers never go well in movies. So. <laughs> Ophelia meets her stepfather. It doesn't go very well. You see Carmen get out of the car. In the opening sequence, you can see that she's very sick. They actually have to pull over so she can vomit on the side of the road. Uh, during this opening scene, Ophelia does interact with some of the scenery. And you get your first glimpse of some of the more uh, magic things that happen throughout this movie. Uh, once they get to the captain's home, basically base camp, they send Carmen off to get settled into a room. And Ophelia uh, wanders off to the side to look at some of the scenery around the side of the house, which leads her to the labyrinth. The labyrinth, as some would say. Some, labyrinth. Some being me. Pan pizza. That's oh, true. Oh, yeah. Mercedes comes in and says, don't go in that labyrinth. You'll get lost. There, I introduced her. Thank you, Mercedes, for that wise advice, which actually doesn't end up being true really at all. So. Her mother warned her to stay away from Fox. Let like, me just, stay away from boys. Stay away from Fox. Let me just say, folks, at this point in the movie, on my first watch, which was just last Monday, I was thinking this was more of like a kid's movie, and this felt like a kid's fantasy Boy, am I going to be surprised this movie progresses, what this movie actually is. Oh, yeah, because almost pretty much the very next scene, the captain's talking to two farmers. Now, yes, he's a military captain. You're thinking, okay, he's just going to he's gonna, just gonna whisk him away when he finds out the truth. No, he proceeds to beat the kid because he won't shut the, First of all, his no, words. Why can't you shoot him in the head? Why you got to beat his face in like the way he did? Something tells me he didn't originally plan to kill the kid until he dropped him and went, oh, well, your kid was pretty much a glass bottle. How are you going to beat the kid up in front of his father like Easy that? Easy kid because he was asking the father question. He wasn't asking the kid. And the father got like, pretty the easily. The kid's supposed to be, you know, I'm talking, the grown men are talking, you shut the hell up. This is my first thing. I was like, holy shit, this is a violent movie. I was thinking little kids and Alice in Wonderland, but then he beats the guy's face and I'm like, whoa, this is more like Battle Royale. This is supposed to be the first glimpse of how the captain is away from Carmen. He does not give a flying crud about anyone else but himself and his unborn son. That's it. Yeah. Though I will say, after he kills the two farmers, he pulls out the rabbits showing that the farmers were telling the truth. And he goes, next time, don't waste my fucking time. Yeah, you know, he's uh, 
tried and true military man. He's probably been military for years and years, wars and wars, killed many people. He just wants to pass on his seed, have his child grow up remembering him, and carry on his legacy. That's not too much to ask for, is it? I mean, now we get naked fairy. I was thinking to myself at this point in the movie, like, listen, if I don't get a naked fairy soon, I'm checking it out. So I'm just turning it off. So. Well, there you go. We got our naked fairy. Let's go. Wait, ahead and call wait, the- wait, wait. Mercedes, we should establish, is a worker of the household. She, she's the main maid. She does main everything. Maid. She does everything. And Mercedes is the main housekeeper. So anything to help run the kitchen, help run the household, she's in charge of. Uh, also, Carmen's care, she is in charge of, along with the doctor, who you'll meet later. Mercedes is also connected to the rebels who are out in the woods. Yes, those rebels, those damn mis- mischievous, causing trouble rebels. I immediately sided with the, the captain on this one. I think they should be eliminated. You can't even keep a straight face with that. Uh, now um, I guess we can finally introduce the fawn. I would say Pan, but, you know, technically that's not his damn name. So, yes. The Fawn. Not to be confused with the Fawns. Well, we have the naked fairy, and we also have the Fawn. So Ophelia loves fairy tales. She has the books with her. Her mother keeps telling her she needs to grow up. She can't be filling her head with fairy tales. She's 10. She's 10, yes. But you got to remember the time period that this is in. During the night, Ophelia's first night there, she's sleeping alongside her mother, and the creature that you saw at the start of the movie comes into the room, sees an image in one of her fairy tales, and turns into the fairy that you see. The fairy then leads her to the labyrinth to meet the fawn for the first time. And he says, you got to bring me 20 chicken nuggets for your very first trial. And I think that's perfectly reasonable, right? Now, make sure there's some honey mustard, some Chick-fil-A sauce to go with those nuggets. I was going to say buffalo barbecue and hot mustard. Hot mustard? Hot mustard. What is wrong with you? Why would you even do that? <laughs> I'm just not that into fantasy, so when I see the, the fawn, I'm thinking, let's get back to the captain. Military warfare. Take out them rebels. So this part of the movie is less interesting to me, but it does tie nicely into the overall story as it progresses. So. Where on my side, the fantasy part is my favorite. I, I, I'm okay with the military stuff, but I want to get back to what the fawn and everything else is doing. There's something for everybody in this movie. So the- Except... No slasher killer in the woods. Uh, fair, I mean, It'd be cool if Predator was in the same woods, too, just killing people. Ooh, Predator versus Vidal. I'm going Predator. I'm going Predator. I'm going Vidal. The guy's fucking ruthless. I mean, come on, though. Predator he's, will he's, not kill a he's not kid. Arnold, he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger or Danny Glover. The Predator will not kill a kid. I don't buy the kid that. Who, the Predator would not kill a farmer who's just trying to answer a question that his father is too scared to. Are you using the new Predator movie as, like, cannon hair? No, I'm using the old one. If you do not have a weapon, the Predator's not going to give two shits about you. Ah. But what does he construe as a weapon? If I have a pencil in my pocket, and he laser focuses into my pocket and sees a pencil, is that a potential threat, and am I going to die? No, not unless you actually used it on him. If I threw a chicken nugget at him, would he take that as me trying to assault him? Probably. What is with y'all chicken I'm just trying to feed him, man, like a bird. Here, take a nugget. (laughs) You're my friend. I want you to be my friend. Throw a nugget at him, he kills me with his little lace rifle. Well, that's when you're supposed to go up to him and go, You want some candy? Here, Lassie, come here, girl. Here, I got a drink for you. Candy man? Is that out candy? And the fawn explains that she is the lost princess from the underworld and gives her a book that will show her tasks that she needs to complete in order to come back to the underworld, including mentioning a moon-shaped birthmark on her shoulder. 
Tattoo. Fair. Birth, birthmark or tattoo? Birthmark. But uh, another thing Pan says in this scene that I'm actually kind of curious. He says that all other portals except for his are closed. So does that mean the whatever creature or fawn, if there's more, more than one fawn, that was defending that portal waiting for the soul to come back, did they die closing the portal with them? Hmm, interesting. They don't like give us any answer to that, right? So. No, they do not. But I will say this, uh, when you find out what the first task is, Chicken Nuggets comes into play. What are you talking about? <laughs> she has to shove stones in a frog's throat. This frog looked amazing. This frog was, wanted some nuggets. It was someone, and he'd been eating roach nuggets it was, all day. It was a disgusting scene, but it was fun. I was, this was the fantasy part I was with, though. Was, the special effects are amazing, so I was with that. So. But yeah, but yeah, the I frog, lost my appetite, but I was with it. The frog was eating roach nuggets. Not chicken nuggets, unfortunately, but roach nuggets. We've all been there. You look in the fridge, you see some bacon soda, some roach nuggets, peanut butter. Put it all together, you got a bacon soda, peanut butter... Roach sandwich. Roach sandwich. You got to do what you got to do, man. Sustenance. So. They were pill bugs. They, okay. were, they were specifically pill bugs. Okay, fine. Don't pill bugs. Bring facts and logic into this nuggets. conversation. Yeah, Pillsbury dough and dough nuggets. Nuggets, yeah. <laughs> you put it in the oven, it all comes out the same. It tastes like chicken, right? <laughs> so she has to give this giant frog specialized stones so that way it will basically vomit up Another item she'll need for the next task. That was the so, disgusting part. So, um, the vomiting. So, so she needed to feed this frog actual chicken nuggets so that way it would be happy and then give her the key. It turned itself inside out. Well, damn, it must not have liked those chicken. Are those the same chicken nuggets from the movie Cooties? Those must have been Burger King's nuggets. Ah. Those were McDonald's nuggets. Can you say food poisoning? I'd rather not, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's what the movie Cooties was about. I haven't seen that. It's a zombie movie where only kids, prepubescent kids get infected, turn into zombies because one girl happened to eat tainted chicken nuggets. Wow. I must watch this immediately. And Elijah Wood is the main character. He's been in that, and he's been in Lord of the Rings. Wow. Just I know, right? Amazing. Anyways. So in between these tasks, Ophelia's mother is sick. She's pregnant with, yeah, with a younger sibling. And Ophelia's very worried about this. So when she goes to talk to the fawn, he sets up a way for the mother to feel better. Well, to be fair, the fawn comes to her that night. She didn't go to him. She originally wasn't even thinking about doing the second task until he comes to her and be like, why aren't you doing the second task? My mom's sick. Oh, well, give her this mandrake. Put it in some, put it in some milk and bleed in it every day. Two drops of blood every day. So it's basically Robitussin. All right. Under her bed. And apparently it's supposed to do something to the baby. It's supposed to eat the baby. Okay. Is it going to... It eats the baby. When the baby's born, it eats the fetus, and then it itself becomes the baby. Because it even mentions mandrakes just want to become human. This sounds like Rosemary's baby, actually. It's a plant that dreamed of becoming human. Exactly. So if it eats the fetus, maybe it becomes human itself. They did that on ER one time, one episode, so... No, I didn't know. It either. can medically be done in hospitals too. Yeah. So. Not fair. It was on an episode of Supernatural, I'm sure too. So. Not much, but you, there were leprechauns. Well, there we go. <laughs> I'm still not watching it. Don't try to sneak in, <laughs> sneak that. Fight in the fairies! Never ever will I watch it. 
So over the course of time, Ophelia gets in trouble for not attending a dinner with the captain and her mother. She was actually completing the first task during this. So she has to go to bed um, without dinner. She, she has to go to bed without dinner. The fawn comes to her and tells her about the second task. She has to retrieve another item from there, but she cannot eat or drink anything that is on the table. And I will say, this is where the character, I swear this character design was the same as the Angel of Death from Hellboy. Just minus the big ass behind the head thingy. Ophelia successfully retrieves the item, but as she's about to leave, her eye catches some of the food on the table. These nice, large, round grapes. Why grapes? There's so much better looking food on that table. It was something small, something that she thought no one would really mind if she ate Kids it. love the darnest things. So. And this actually was kind of nice to have because it shows that, yes, she is a child. She's only True. 10. And now the pale man is mad. Very mad. Eats two fairies. What? The fairies Four. try to warn her to not take it. They try to pull her away, tell her don't do it. Well, I mean, also to be fair, they did technically lie to her in that, in that challenge. They did. They wanted her to pr- basically as a way to prove that she was the princess. They pointed to the wrong door. Ophelia says, no, it's this one. It opens the correct one. Psychic. Psychic powers. As a true princess, she would know. True. Well, how would you know? These tasks were put down there to make sure that she was the princess. So how would she particularly know if... She's never been through these tasks before. It's, it's a seven sense that only a princess has that we'll never know because we're not princesses unless you're not telling me something that, unless it's something I don't know. Right? I, mean, I, do, <laughs> I do got bigger boobs than you. Princess, Ar- <laughs> princess, princess Arcana does sound about right. So. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. I'm not saving you from... Actually, I think you'd be tasked with saving him from a dragon or something. So, so Don't begin kidnapping. Does it sound like Sean Connery? Sounds like Bond. Dragon Bond. <laughs> Anyways. So Ophelia eats from the table. Two of the fairies end up being eaten. Nom nom. And I'm not going to give too much away about this particular creature, because it creeps everybody the heck out. It's something you really got to see for yourself. She manages to get away from it last second. Skin of her teeth. Go Ophelia! Um, but not- be- because she didn't have this decency to be like, you know, that door disappeared. I still have the chalk. I'm going to do it on the wall so I can easily get out versus, oh, look, a ceiling that I can barely reach. Wow. True. Again, she's a child. She's going to panic. She's not a child. She's a princess. And I'm expect princess behavior. And that means competence of the highest degree. So. Wall? Ceiling. Something I can reach. Something I, won't, I have to jump in order to get to. What makes more sense? Yeah. Doorway! <laughs> so, once Ophelia is back in her room, the fawn eventually comes to visit her again. And she explains that... I'm getting got... Freddy Krueger vibes from this fawn. Yeah, is this fawn really not like a dream demon? Because... He <laughs> he's, va- he's coming to her in her bed at night. We've been watching a lot of Freddy lately, so this sounds like some messed up stuff, so... And he has the and he does the finger thing. A and, little bit, yes. And he called her bitch. No way, no. No, <laughs> no that was definitely Freddy. That was Fidel. <laughs> yeah, that was Fidel. <laughs> the fawn asks her about the task that she completed, and she explains that she did get the item, but there was an accident. 
at which point she releases the last fairy out of the uh, carrot the fawn gave her. The fairy goes over to him and basically snitches on her. The fawn becomes extremely angry and basically says, that's it, you're not the princess. I'm giving up on this. Well, that part I don't really give two shits about. Uh, what I do care is the line he actually says, we shall vanish with you. See, that makes uh, that adds a little bit more of a mystery of what happens to this character's if she does not actually complete these challenges by the next full moon. Well, they need her for something. We just don't know what they need her for. They need her to be returned to her real mommy and daddy in the underworld. Okay, now you're getting into some spoilers, I think. No. That's that's, why I was leaving. They literally said that at the beginning. They explained that at the start of the movie. I was eating a pan pizza. I didn't pay attention to the movie. So Vidal figures out that the doctor's helping out the rebels and does probably the dumbest decision Vidal whoa, ever whoa, makes whoa. in this whole fucking movie. This is my favorite scene because the, the doctor, they had caught one of the rebels, tortured the poor man, and the doctor did him a service and basically put him out of his misery by injecting um, a McDonald's milkshake into his veins. So he went out with a nice, fun twist. No, maybe not. But he injected him with something, the guy died, and then... The doctor who's there to help the mother of his unborn child successfully deliver the baby, he does make a dumb decision in getting rid of said doctor. Yeah, like I said, this is Vidal's dumbest decision in the whole movie, and it comes back to bite him in multiple ways than just the one. Otherwise, it's pretty much his smart down- villain. He's a smart this villain. is literally his downfall at this point. He's letting his, uh, his ego and his pride and his need to get revenge cloud his bigger judgment. But did he even care about the mom? Nah, I don't know. He makes it seem like it at first. Because the first time he talks to the doctor, after she hemorrhages the first time, he says, do everything you can to save my wife. A few minutes later. As as her condition worsens, he becomes more like, yeah, you know, just make sure you save the child. Like, it's it's cool if you save her too, but if you got to choose, then... Save the child. Yeah, Yeah, well... He shoots the doctor in a fit of rage because he's an asshole. And unless you have a backup doctor, I don't think this is a good idea. Oh, he idea. did have a paramedic. He had, not a doctor. <laughs> he had an army medic, basically. Paramedic. They, not, can, they can load them into the ambulance, but they can't do much more after that. Yeah, pretty much he's a, just an overly qualified EMT. Yeah. He's, well, he's Roy from Friday 13, Part 5. He's going fuck. to... He's going to turn to Jason if you treat him, treat him improperly. So. Or you kill his kid. Oh. Yeah, well. <laughs> That's why he did it. It's a, it's a shared universe. No, it's not. <laughs> well, the military medic was definitely not trained the same way as a doctor. The captain kills the doctor at the same exact time Ophelia's mother goes into labor. And things well, good so one. I think we should mention what starts it by her throwing the damn mandrake in the fire. Yes. Uh, the captain finds the mandrake root under the bed, shows it to the mother, basically yelling at Ophelia at the same time. Mother gets upset, basically yells at Ophelia that she needs to grow up. There is no magic for her. There is no ma- magic for the mother. There's no magic for anyone. That's it. Grow up. You need to be an adult. Right. And basically quit upsetting the captain. Grabs the mandrake root and chucks it into the fire. She doesn't chuck it. She just, uh, eh. She made it, she, she's still weak here. Shows it into the fire. And within seconds, starts hemorrhaging heavily. Well, the doctor's dead. They call in the military medic. The mother doesn't make it. Well, no, but the, the baby does. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's right. I mean, fuck the mom. We barely got to know her except for her husband died. 
And the captain was probably the reason why. Unfortunately, it felt like Mercedes was more of a mom than the mom. Yeah, yeah, because now Mercedes is trying to kidnap Ophelia, technically kidnap, even though really she's trying to save Ophelia by taking her to the Rebels, which would have eventually killed Ophelia because obviously Captain would be like, oh, there's that little bang. Well, wait a minute, no. no if, she went to the, if she got to the Rebels safely, I think she'd probably be okay. So. Consider the fact that Videl, up until he again does a dumb decision, uh, he was winning that fight. Yeah, but now we're about to get into him against some deep shit. He does um, some dumb decisions. Well, the first thing he does is captures Mercedes. And talk, and describes how he's going to torture her pretty much the same way he did the stutterer. And then, but he turns her back on her for too long. Yep, because Never trust a, a girl named Mercedes. I won't go into the background on that, but never trust them. Well, stop going out with girls named Mercedes. Or any vehicle name. I'm looking at you, Toyota. From the third grade? I'm sure there's some Cobras out there. Lexus? If her name is Hyundai, she's okay. But that's it. <laughs> I had a good experience with a Hyundai. But... Ooh. No. No Subaru either. <laughs> but, but those can go so many mileage. All vehicle names. You're all off They're limits. They're probably Japanese. <laughs> she's a brick. <laughs> They're all off limits, man. Forget that. Anyways, anyway. you turn her back on her, and little did you know that Mercedes is, is Jason Bourne. Want to know how I got these scars? No, I don't. Well, too bad because this is how Videl gets his scars. Oh, wow. Okay. Mercedes puts the knife. Well, first she stabs him a good amount. Then she puts the knife in his mouth and goes, "Fuck you." Wait, explain to me why Mercedes didn't kill him right here. Because fuck, because fuck her. You got her in a position. Got him in a position to kill him. Well, to be fair... Leaving him alive seems way risky at this point. It might be the one illogical thing in the movie I saw was that she leaves him alive and just walks out. So, to be fair, uh, if she did kill him, she would have died almost immediately after because he did tell them, capture her alive. If he was dead, they would have automatically just shot her. I get that, but she's going to walk out, and he's not even unconscious. He's still conscious when she walks out. Eh, he's in a good amount of pain. I do feel like she should have at least knocked him unconscious so she can get away. She can get away better. If she's just gonna walk out anyway, she might as well kill him. Because when he, as soon as he gets back to his feet, he's basically um, okay. I'm gonna kill her now. So as soon as they capture her, I did. Get, I did think that that well he torture process. well he needs a new wife. So, so. Well, fair. <laughs> he's and, probably gonna force her to marry her. So and uh, now Pan comes back to Ophelia and goes, hey. Do everything I say. Don't give me back talk. Go get your brother. Stop at the McDonald's drive-thru. 20-piece McNuggets. 40-piece. No spicy mustard. Hot mustard. Ranch. All the mustard. No mustard. At this point... The fail fa- the task. Mustard! <laughs> fail the task. <laughs> at this point, the fawn gives her a piece of chalk, which is important later, to go and get her brother from the captain's room. At this point, the captain is trying to stitch up his own face. While drinking alcohol like a dumbass. He finishes the stitching, puts a cotton pad over it, and takes a shot. You this mean? really is the Joker origin story. We didn't know. This is, <laughs> this is a prequel to Joker, after. Yeah, but so. Joker wasn't Spanish. We don't know. Maybe he was. The rebels attack. Finally, usefulness. They do something right. Ophelia does get her brother, by the way. Yeah, we don't care about that. And she leaves yeah, the chalk I mean, on the desk. It's sort of her brother, I guess. I mean, half brother. So at this point, I'm feeling like 
happy ending. Everybody's gonna get. The general's gonna. Captain's gonna die. Nope. Everybody's time, gonna get away. Nope. Time to turn this fairy tale. Turn it upside down. Smack it with a hammer and find out it's a fucking nightmare. The pan, pan says, "Give me your brother." Well, what are you doing with that dagger? Oh, I'm gonna kill your brother. What? Um. So she's pretty much. It is Freddy Krueger. So she tells him, "Uh, no." And he goes, "Oh, well, remember you said you'd do everything I said." Uh, you're still not killing my brother. Okay, well, have fun with the consequences. Get out of my house, then. And Videl catches up to her. How did he not get lost in the labyrinth? This labyrinth seems to be the easiest labyrinth I've ever been in. True. The labyrinth does move its walls around to help Ophelia get to the center of the labyrinth and confuse the captain. But right about the same time that Ophelia refuses to hand over her brother to spill the blood of an innocent... The captain shows up. So I'm thinking right about the time she refuses, the labyrinth goes, okay, screw this, and opens up the wall. And then she, he, he takes the baby. She tries to say something. He just turns around and goes, bang. I was like, well, that's finally a villain that does not just bring something up in the air to, for, comedic, for dramatic effect. And there's no epic speech that he wastes all this time giving a speech. Yep, he just, just went, yeah, fuck this girl, bang. Shot her. Worst stepfather ever. Except the, uh, except stepfather the, that won. Except the movie Stepfather. That was the worst stepfather. But. No, I think this is... He um, actually kills the kid. It's like 1A, 1B. Like, you know, so. so Ophelia falls... She, she might still be alive. <laughs> well, it's kind of a slow death. Probably she not. She falls on the edge he, of the labyrinth. in the stomach. She's bleeding out pretty quickly. Yes. Arms hanging over the side of the opening to the uh, tunnel below. This is a this is a story about Jesus apparently so I can see now that the Jesus. Well, story. I mean, she is the princess of the underworld. Jesus is technically prince of heaven. If you believe in the hierarchy, prince of the underworld. So you're saying that she's going to hell. Not hell. The underworld. Go by the underworld. If you want to under go. the world is hell. Yeah, underworld. <laughs> this is a prequel to the underworld movie. She grows up to be Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> if you want to go by fame mythology, she's basically going to Underhill. So she's going to. One, one Tree Hill from the, that TV show from the CW? If it's The Hanging Tree, yes. All right. Um, She's in the One Tree Hill universe now. All right. So knowing he was going to die, he tells Mercedes, hey, tell my kid about me. I'm like, dude, you already know that's not happening. Just take your bullet and shut up. Shoots him in the real, face. And when he finds out that they're not going to tell him about him, that's when he goes, no way. Bang. He really thought that they were going to, he walked out of that cave thing. Well, he walked out of the labyrinth. He walked out there like they were going to, like, give him some kind of honorable death and raise his child in his name. They were like, uh, buddy, we're just here to shoot you in the face. And at that point, they didn't even know that he shot Ophelia, so he deserved even more than that. So they should have pistol whipped him first, well, they, beat him down, then shot him. So Ophelia gets her happy ending. Oh, my gosh, it really is a kid's movie just with a lot of blood and guts. I thought she wanted to grow up and move to Hollywood and be an actress. That would have been her happy ending. Instead, well, she's stuck in some random kingdom world. Yeah, she's stuck in some random kingdom with, with the fawn as her, uh, I guess, her protector. I wouldn't fuck with him. He'd probably kick pretty hard. Happy ending or bittersweet ending? I'm going bittersweet. Either way, the twist was she had to kill, she had to spill her own blood in order to save an innocent. And you do see at the end of the movie, you, throughout the whole movie, you're kind of wondering, is this all real? Is Ophelia dreaming this whole thing? That's what I didn't figure out first. I didn't know, and I still don't know quite if it's a dream or not. There's two clues that shows that it happened in real life. The first one is the piece of chalk from the captain, not from the captain, piece of chalk from the fawn 
showing up on the captain's desk. He actually picks it up and holds it in his hand. That wasn't there before. She brought it in there. Interesting. Okay. The second one is a flower blooming on the fig tree that the frog had eaten the roots out from. I did notice that. That was a cool visual, too. Mm-hmm. So those are the two clues that happened in real life. All right. Well, listen, it happened. It, if it did happen and it wasn't just her, um, her inner mind, then it is actually a happy ending. Well, I guess the real happy ending for us is now we're in our categories for everybody to know and love. And probably hate. I think the real happy ending will be me stopping at McDonald's afterwards for 20-piece chicken McNuggets. Good luck finding one that's serving this late at night. That's a 24-hour one over there. So. Oh, okay. Anyways, categories. Um, all right. Best performance. Best performance. For me, it's Videl. I'm conflicted. I think it's either the captain or Mercedes. Probably the two characters. You just like the fact she's a beautiful Spanish woman. No, she was on the, uh, the hero side. She was the most likable character that we spent time with, I feel like. Um, you cared for a character more than the mom, more than Ophelia, who's young and stupid. So, no, I'm just playing, but, uh, um, Now I'm going to go with Captain, though. Captain's a classic you, villain. So. How dare you say a little girl's stupid when she, could, she didn't even make it out of grade school, sir? She probably hasn't even been to public school. She was probably homeschooled by her sick and dying mom who didn't have the energy to teach her. Well, hopefully in the underworld she's in, they have a good educational system. Probably, we'll probably not. She's a princess. She doesn't need education. Exactly. Who she needs, already has everything. Who needs math and science when you're a princess? Exactly. And a fawn. My favorite. I have two favorites. I really can't choose between the two. You must choose. There can only be one. Yeah, there can only be one. You can name your runner-up, but you got to go with one overall. Okay. My, I guess I have to say my top favorite would be Mercedes, and my second favorite is Ophelia. Ah! <laughs> of course you choose the kid actor. You're way too soft. We hate kid actors. She did a good job, though. For, for a child, she did good. Mm-hmm. If they I wouldn't say I hate kid actors. I hate, I hate kid actors that aren't directed well and don't do their job. We hate, we hate kid actors in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, <laughs> specifically. I mean, I, she did good, but they just never... Child characters, they're never that well-developed because they never give them... They know their limitations, so they don't give them all like the emotional scenes and all the... Like, I don't know. That's... Well, Ophelia does have to go through some scary scenes, quote-unquote scary scenes, with her mother bleeding out and True. things like that. She did a solid job, I'll say. But you, better than the captain, though? I don't know. Worst performance. I wrote none. They're, they all did actually a really good job. I can't think of any worst performance either. Yeah, this movie would be like, which is the one you least enjoy? So, but all actually, uh, sorry for interrupting. but Wait, uh, the frog. I was going to say, you know, just for in, in honor of Del Toro, I was going to say the horse. Oh, that's right. Del Toro hates horses. Hates them. Hates working with them. Ah. Things are evil Almost like you with water. So we also mentioned that Del Toro has said before that if he was not a movie maker, he'd probably be a serial killer. He said that? Yes. All right. Well, hey. I mean... Who knows what Wes Craven was thinking when he was writing movies? Yeah, true. So, so Del Toro will not be doing the Sea Biscuit sequel. Probably no. not. No, all right. I'm disappointed. Or Black Beauty sequel. I'm very disappointed now. Or any movie with a horse. Yeah. Well, Unless the horse is the main villain. You know, that's that. That makes me think. Is the Cujo remake going to be made by Del Toro? Going to be a horse instead of a Rottweiler? Ooh. I think we have to make that movie ourselves. <laughs> it's the only way we're going to see it. So. <laughs> Anyway, best scene. Wow. 
best scene. Why don't you guys go first? I got things. <laughs> I'm going to have to say, for me, it's Mercedes Escape, the same scene that she was just talking about with a horse that kicked someone in the chest. Probably because that horse is an MVP. No, anyway. Uh, for me, I just like I just enjoy the scene, and mainly uh, the whole thing between her and Vidal. Yeah, true. Um, okay, actually, um, just the ending when the captain gets shot in the face. His whole ending is just awesome because he actually thinks that they're going to raise the kid after him and give him all this honor in his death, but they just shoot him in the face and say, nope, none of that. So, best scene to me. <laughs> My favorite scene's probably a very weird one to pick, and this is when Mercedes hums a lullaby, which is actually the theme to the whole movie, hums a lullaby to Ophelia. But you would not stop humming the entire movie. It got stuck in my head. <laughs> I've seen the movie about nine times. What? What's the next category? Why am I the whole keeper of the cast? Yeah, I stuff written. You have stuff written down. So I anyway, see. so anyway, the worst scene for me is the doctor's death. Not because of not because of the way it's shot, just because that had to be the dumbest decision in the entire movie. It was pretty stupid. Yeah, I agree with that. After everything that this doctor has done, uh, the villain has done, yeah, I understand he has some way of some people, you know, treating him. He feels like he was disrespected, but at the same time, it was really it was really useless. The doctor had so much life left in him that he could have fixed himself. As far as the doctor didn't sew his own gun wound. It's a damn good doctor. Damn good doctor. Uh, yeah. Well, I... I, I... I'd want to figure out how he was going to sew up his own internal wounds. Listen, I mean... Very painfully. With it would, anesthesia. It would have hurt, but he could have done it somehow. Well, the blood loss would have been more of a problem. Going into a shock would have been more of a problem. He's and a doctor. He would know how to stop, how to notice he that knows how shock, to, and he would be able to calm himself down. He'd put a Band-Aid on it. Band-Aid. Remember, uh, if, you didn't, if it's still bleeding, you didn't use enough duct tape. And Robotussin. And Gorilla got, Tape. Honey, and eat five chicken nuggets. Make them strong. A lot of protein. It's going to take a bit more than a Band-Aid there, huh? Yeah, but chicken nuggets are right. Anyway, what's your worst scene? Uh, well, I was going to say that dinner table scene I was talking about earlier where you have uh, the mom explaining how they met and the captain laughing at her, even though she was just asked a simple question, just answering a question. just didn't make sense to me. I didn't like that scene. I have to agree with him on that one. The, I mean, the whole scene itself kind of shows that the captain probably acted like a total sweetheart towards the mother while they were dating and everything. I mean, she's asked, how did you meet? And she explains that her husband was killed during the war. And, and the other guests are entertained by what she's saying, so I don't understand why the captain comes down so hard on her, so harsh towards it, her. It makes their, uh, the way I would see it, it makes their cognition of what he is kind of goes down a little bit. So he feels yeah. like the reputation he's been trying to build up for so long yeah, but is broken. Because they're laughing and entertained and talking to her, it, 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 to me it makes him seem bad. It makes him unlikable to them, actually. Well, he's, uh. tr- he's probably running them through fear. And notice yeah, but, how they're, but, they're the not, way, but they're not scared there anyways. They're also, just like laughing and joking. And, and also notice like how the, really the only way they're even able to get any kind of food or anything is through him. Yeah. He's pretty much running them with an iron fist. Yeah. It just seemed like um, just a little bit too harsh, but it established that he didn't really care about the, the mom at that point, it seemed like, so I guess. 
Basically, it shows him as soft, but it also sets up a little bit of a timeline because the mother mentions it was about a year ago that the captain came to the tailor shop and they reconnected again. Towards the end of the movie, when she has the baby, it's close to full term. Remember, this is about 1944, so it didn't really, of course, out in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, you didn't really have an incubator or anything like that. The child survived being born at that time. She met the captain about a year ago, which means they were together for about three, maybe four months before she got pregnant. A quick one. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it did establish some backstory that we need a little bit, right? So, But basically, yeah, it's picking a worse scene is kind of like, eh, they're all pretty good. So it's tough to pick a worse scene once nothing really stands out. It's been like, oh, my God, this was atrocious. So. Well, then I guess I really shouldn't ask what this next uh, category is. What would you eliminate? all the fantasy elements possible. <laughs> Just take this movie and remake it as straightforward military movie to have the same villain, the same characters, just without the whole labyrinth. And just... Well, then that would mean that they would, um, that, that would be a bad ending because the little girl died. They'd have to redo that where uh, Ophelia gets the gun and she's the one that shoots the captain. That'd in the face. be too predictable. She shoots the captain in the face and shoots herself because her mom's gone. She's one of the too predictable. She shoots the baby. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, what? Or maybe make it to where it was actually a psychological thriller and find out that none of it all happened and she died for nothing. It was all in her head, basically. I'm, I mean, I'd say it would have been an interesting another movie to see it as just more focus on the military part of it. But I understand the fantasy part We were of it. soldiers. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mel Gibson did a good role. Alrighty then. Except for Lethal Weapon. I'm going to assume your yours is nothing for Eliminate. Yep, change nothing. Alright, I didn't say change, I said Eliminate. Meaning change. it just completely cuts from the movie. I don't want to eliminate okay, anything. So what would you like to explore more? For me, the Underworld. <laughs> for me, the opposite, not the Underworld. Um, oh yeah, for you, probably Vidal. Or the rebels. They but could, then again, they kind of got their own movie. They could they could explore uh, Mophelia. <laughs> so, Mophelia. I just want to say Mophelia. Oh, you just do you got Moesha on the mind? Do we need to call Brandy Norwood? No, I was making a bad pun out of Ophelia's name. So. Maybe when we do, I still know what you did last summer. We'll probably get in Brandy. No, um, more focus on the rebels. Just more cut to them, more more their story. Get to know a few of them more. Uh, just more focus on the rebels, I would like. And that, but that goes into my wanting more of that kind of movie, so. I'd like to know more about the underworld and the basically fae creature world thing they have going on. I'd also kind of like... Guys, there's, you know, there's seven underworld movies, all right? You can get more of that, all right? You just got to go on Netflix or wherever and watch all nine of so, them. So, there's five. Oh, well. So, how much I know. First one was pretty good. I haven't seen them though. Five. All right. I was thinking of Resident Evil. <laughs> Six. There's 11 of them total? Damn it. Why? I guess technically if you count the animated ones, but they follow, they're following more canon to the games. So they're a little bit more canon than the actual live action bullshit that Paul W.S. Anderson did to it. Don't make me go on another rant about that. No, guy. no, no, no. Let's get back to the, uh, <laughs> let's wrap this up and get back to what she was saying. All right. So final thoughts. Well, I'm just going to stare at Vic and see how long he as, as stutters. I, as I said at the beginning, this is really not my genre. 
And so, that said, I don't know why Jason has to be stalking me in the background <laughs> my final thoughts, but outside of that situation, which could be troublesome after the podcast. Yeah, this is not my genre, but for a temporary jump into that world, it was enjoyable. Um, if you're not into fantasy, you'll still get a lot out of the military stuff and the surrounding characters. So even if you're not into fantasy, still watch the movie because... The rest of it is solid even outside of fantasy stuff. If you're into fantasy, this is going to be like heaven for you because you get that. If you're into fantasy and war stuff, then this is like the best movie ever. So um, so it wasn't really my genre. And rewatchability, I probably would have to be in the mood to watch it again. But ev- never. Never. Probably never. Um, but that said. Data Spanish one, I guarantee you will get rewatching it again. That would be a scenario where I watch it again. But everything is top-notch. The characters, the writing, the special effects. It's bloody as hell. It's an enjoyable two hours, so it's definitely worth watching it. I'm going to say for me, so I'm going to give two ratings. I think it's a three-star movie, but for me it's two and a half stars only because it's just not my genre. But if I had an inkling for fantasy, I might go three, three and a half stars. So I'm going to say two and a half stars for me, but three stars for the rest of y'all. And maybe three stars if I had some nuggets right now because that would make me in a better, put me in a better mood. So. Well... Unfortunately, I have to be the harder grader on this because... I gave it two and a half stars. <laughs> How much harder can you be? So the movie was shot beautifully. The actors did all they did everything they could, and they made, did a great job at that. Then you got the fantasy elements, which, to be honest with you, does not really does not take up even half of this movie. Honestly, I get It's a the, lot less than I expected. Actually, it's, it's 70% real stuff and 30% fantasy, honestly. Right. And so it's kind of, it's a nice little thing where most, because most fantasy movies that does try to do real and fantasy, they focus more on the fantasy than they do the real stuff. But overall, I'm going to have to give it a three, mainly because not everybody's going to want to enjoy this movie. It's not dubbed, and we gave the reason why, but at the same time, that actually turns off a lot of people right off the bat. It would have turned you off the minute I told you if I didn't tell you. 155%. 155%. Well, no, I just had to adjust and watch it when I had more energy. You can't, this is not a movie you can just sit back like at night after work and just be like, all right, something casual and fun. And then you yeah, watch this. You got to be like really paying attention and focusing. So, Yeah, that's my, that's my thoughts. And that's why it only got two and a half stars for me. <laughs> the, the, the level of focus okay, required. Okay, fine. Because I have to be a harder grader, I'm going to give it a two. Wait, how did you go from a three to a two in a two minute span? Because you gave it two and a half. You don't got to be a harder grade than me. <laughs> on okay. now this one. This would be a nice turn, turn, change of events for once. So. I still give it a three, though. Y'all are both nuts. You're nuts. You married me. I Fuck. love this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. I'm going to give this one a four stars. One of my oh favorites. Oh, my God. Hold on, I'm Absolute sorry. favorite movies. This is the first four star rating. And the only four star rating. The only four star rating. I'm a guest, so. That's true. Because no movie is perfect. Four stars is really rated for perfect movies, and you're telling me you cannot find one flaw in this movie at all. I mean, we haven't gotten to Troll 2 yet, so I'm just telling you right now. So, It's my favorite movie. I'm going to give it a four. And I absolutely love the way this movie was shot. Del Toro uses different colors for the Captain versus Ophelia. The Captain, there's a whole bunch of straight lines, dark colors, uh, blues and blacks for Ophelia. It's brighter colors, a lot of round shapes. Um, basically helps show the difference. There's difference in transitions. There's different directions that he films them in. It's amazing to me to see that. She took this way too seriously. 
No, but the thing is, though, here, here's what I'll say. Everything's subjective, and for her, it's a flawless movie, and that's fine. But it's not. It's 100% not. But, but, but not because it's not, because, as you said, no movie is 100% flawless. But if you enjoy it the most you can enjoy a movie, then it's four stars for you. So I'll feel the same way about Troll 2, maybe. Maybe not. Let's do a quick average. We had four stars, three stars, two and a half. And that's nine and a half stars, which puts us at about a three. That's a three. A 3.1, 3.2-ish. So, yeah, 3.2. Yeah, because there's what you think, what I think, what she thinks, and then there's the actual truth, and it's probably like the average of what we all think. So, If Vic knocks on your door with a Blu-ray copy of Troll 2, slams the door in his face, and then fucking Sparta kick him down a damn driveway. How would you sign the door in his face and then Sparta kick him down a driveway? The door's in the Leonidas will kick through the door. Just let me in and I'll have some McNuggets and we can all have nuggets with no mustard and with no musicals on the horizon. Good night, everybody!